Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 93. Shout out to John Randall. That's Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. Rick, what is your favorite John Randall story? Oh, I remember when I was scouting, advanced scouting for the Detroit Lions, and they I went up to watch Minnesota Vikings. They were we were playing the Vikings the following week. And um I John Tierlink was our defensive line coach with the Detroit he's, Lions. He's a big guy, right? Yeah, big yeah. guy. Really unbelievable uh defensive line coach. He coached uh John Randall and Coached all the Vikings guys and everything. Really good coach. I think he lasted or went to Indy after that, you know. So great career as a defensive line coach. And John Randall was so intense. So I was in the Kingdome out in Seattle uh, before they blew it up. And John Randall was in the end zone warming up. And I was down on the uh, sideline. And I said, hey, John. I says, uh, John Tierleg said hello. And he had his face all painted. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was going to kill me. He lifted his leg up like he's going to piss on the pole, like he always does. You know, the oh dog. And uh, he he just he goes, "How can you even talk to me before a game about friendship stuff?" You know, he just started screaming at me, and I was like, "All right, dude, relax." <laughs> so Never he was talked to him again until we retired, and then came up to uh, the alumni events at the uh, and with the Vikings. I think we talked to him at the Miami Super Bowl, and he's not that tall, right? No. No, he's 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 taller than Pete, taller than you. Uh, so he's about five eleven, six foot. Right? Yeah, he's like a James Har- James Harrison body type, but he might be angrier. Uh, he's all right. angry. All right. Well, good. I'm I'm glad uh, to hear that someone uh, gives it to to you like you give to me. Yeah. No, I way. give it to you for. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder. Yeah, it's a it's a, we're in the business, Rick. You got to tease it up. So let me let me set you up so you can tease it up. Uh, it's Papa Drop Tuesday, of course where we highlight some of the top performances from last week's college games. And we'll get to some quarterbacks we've talked extensively about in Caleb Williams, as well as focus on one for the first time 
uh, this fall anyway. Tulane's Michael Pratt. They played Rice over the weekend, and then we'll get to some other standouts from Saturday's action. But the big story today, Rick, is Will Levis. Titans rookie second-round pick making his first NFL start, and my man had himself a day against the Falcons, so we'll obviously chat about that. Take a look at number one versus number two, Bryce versus CJ down in Charlotte, and rank our top five rookie efforts from week eight. But first things first, Rick, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL on CBS, you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown board. How many days we got? We have 177 days until the 2024 NFL draft and 77 days before I can unleash on Ryan Wilson and his comparisons and everything else he tries to put together for this draft. I checked. Uh, I'll double check after the show, but I think January 12th is D-Day for me. So uh, <laughs> make a note. <clears throat> By the way, if you missed it, uh, last week, Rick and I handed out grades for the 2023 rookie first rounders on the offensive side of the ball. And this Thursday, we'll circle back and look at the defense. Those shows, both past and future, as always, in the old podcast feed. And remember, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate his draft prospect on the show. We're going to get to one of those players today. All right, Rick. Let's get to it. Debo said we had to get to the show by the four-minute mark. We're doing it a little early. Can I interrupt you real quick before I know we got a a little bit? got 10 seconds. Okay. (laughs) Which one was a five-star prospect that wasn't laid out in the directions that Debo sent out this week? Debo, do you want to weigh in, or should we just push on the show? (laughs) Uh, That would be Audric Estime from Notre Dame, which was noted in the rundown, as Ryan confirmed. It says... Estime Notre Dame running back from Apple Pods. Pop or drop. It doesn't say five star. Apple Podcast is where the the listeners. Yeah, I know. Where. Did it say five star on there? All right, let's get to it. <laughs> Grumpy Rick no, has arrived no, again. Not very clear with directions. It doesn't matter. You had to evaluate him anyway, so you did it, and now you're. I know, but board. it's different if I know it's a five star. We should know, by the way, that you were. 25 minutes late to the podcast. So I think you can cut Debo break who also might get you a, a t-shirt at your favorite place. So take it easy on Debo. How about that? All right, let's go. We tried Debo. We tried to get there. First up, Kayla Williams. So I, Cal. I was able to point out another mistake by Debo. We're not even four minutes into the show yet. Again, you don't understand how being nice to people pays off when you ask them for something. <laughs> you continue to go in on uh, why Debo, all of Debo's shortcomings. Oh, and by the way, Debo, will you get me a Hallmark shirt when you take the tour of the studios? <laughs> I think that's a no. The silence speaks volumes. Caleb Williams at Cal. <clears throat> and that uh, the USC was down 28-17 at one point in the, in the first half. Uh, I don't know why. It, 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 Caleb's catching a lot of flack, and I think that's just part of the process of being the most visible player in college football. Maybe his dad's comments have something to do with that. Maybe the losses in recent weeks have something to do with that. They were down early, came back and won because of Caleb in large part. He doesn't play cornerback. He doesn't play linebacker, uh, but he is the best quarterback in this class. So I think you agree they had a good game. But let me start here because some of the comments that we see, even on our podcast, when I go back and look at them, is Caleb holds the ball too long. And while that's great in the Pac-12, which is actually a really good conference this year, that doesn't translate to the next level on a consistent basis. So if you're an evaluator, what are the concerns with all his hero ball that he plays usually with much success at USC. What does that look like on Sundays next year? Should he come out? Yeah. Well, we said the same thing about Bryce young. We said the same thing about CJ Stroud. We say the same thing about all these young quarterbacks because they can hold the ball. You can say the same thing about Michael Penix. 
you can probably say the same thing about almost any one of these quarterbacks coming out. They can because they can get away with it. When we talked in the preseason and we talk about the game slowing down, which actually means the opposite, which means their process is speeding up. It comes with touch. It comes with timing. It comes with understanding the speed of the game because the speed of the game at the next level is totally different than even in the power five conferences. And so that is something that needs to be worked on. Is it a deterrent or concern or something that will plague him? Probably not, but every quarterback almost coming out of the college holds on to the ball too long, especially the guys that are far superior from an athletic standpoint. They can do that because they know they can get away with it. Eventually, they learn they can't get away with it at the NFL level. So that's when they have to start getting through the reads and everything we talk about, getting through their progressions. We're going to talk about these rookie quarterbacks for the hundredth time today. And Bryce Young has gotten better every single week because he's getting through his reads, he's getting through his progressions, he's getting the ball out. Even though he's got a really crappy offensive line in front of him, he got nailed. But if anyone doesn't think that kid, regardless, small or not, isn't tough, he has one tough ombre. Very first drop back, uh, Aquanu. I don't know if it's Aquanu's fault or not, but the blitz that came off the right, he did not pick up until that person had demolished Bryce Young near the goal line. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Bryce played pretty well. Caleb played even better. Um, he put the team on his back as he usually does. And uh, we have a note uh, from producer Debo here. It's a good one. How come we don't hear this pushback with Drake May, who they lost to Virginia, um, Georgia Tech. He's been inconsistent. He's still QB2. And is part of it just the perception? Like his dad's not a pain in the butt. Uh, he doesn't paint his fingernails, whatever. Or is there something else going on? I think a lot of it is when you're the king and you've been talked about yeah. as number one prospect for the last couple of years, everybody's going to take shots at you. They always do, especially if you're sitting on top. And for as much notoriety as he gets, for as famous he is, as he is, I mean, you see him on the Fansville commercials, you see him on Wendy's, Wendy's commercials, uh, all this stuff. So, of course, he's going to get some shots thrown his way. And if he's not perfect, people are going to try to poke holes at him. But watching him this game, I thought this was maybe the best game he played all season. He just never quit, put the team on his back. I mean, why don't you get on their defense or why don't you get on their offensive line? It's like a sieve. And instead of criticizing him, give him credit for the athleticism he has and how he does by time. Because a lot of times you can say he holds on to the ball, but why is he holding on to the ball? Because his receivers aren't even out of their routes yet or they're not getting open or they can't separate man coverage. So, yes. Does he hold the ball some? I agree 100%. Is it always his fault? No. If I had his athleticism and his arm talent, when you see him roll and the arm strength he has just to flick the ball downfield and his vision down the field, don't discredit him for that. Those are plays that are phenomenal type plays that will translate to the next level. When he gets to the next level, is he going to have issues? Of course he is. All the rookies do trying to adjust, but I think it's totally unfair to say that everything relies on him because even in their losses, Notre Dame was his worst game we've seen. We talked about that in the first half. and We talked about how he rallied in his second half. The second loss, he carried that team as far as he could. He does need some help with some other parts of the game, offense, defense, special teams, uh, to help that. But he is doing everything he 
Do you think, and I'm going to ask you this, Ryan Wilson, Yes. that the USC Trojans would have the record they have if Caleb Williams was not their quarterback? They would be... They would look like Shadur Sanders looks playing behind that Colorado offensive line, and they would be worse because their quarterback wouldn't be Shadur Sanders. Yes. They, they might have two, two, maybe three wins. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. And the left guard from Colorado, I don't know who it is, but he did not have a very good game when we talk about some of the pass rushers from uh, UCLA coming up. He prefers to remain anonymous, I've been told. <laughs> but, yeah, Caleb Williams, it is funny that I'm in the position – like when I'm talking to, if I go to Connecticut for HQ for the weekend and I'm talking to our colleagues, having to defend Caleb, like our buddy Joe Musso, and I don't think he would mind me saying this, one of the issues he had with Caleb was his body language. Joe's a, a Notre Dame fan, but I said, well, that second half, he played out of his mind. The subsequent game, the Utah game, he was on the bench and he was dejected because this team keeps losing. And all the things I've heard is that he's a, a great teammate and he's great in the locker room. So I'm okay with emotion if you're not, your team's not performing the way they want to, but he's not in anyone's face. He's not pulling a Derek Carr last week when they lost. Is that anything that pops in on, under your radar? No, but no, he's dejected. He was, he just laid his heart and soul out and every body part he has out on the field in the Utah game. And you come up with a loss. That's emotional. That tells me he cares and he's not doing it in a negative or derogatory way towards his coaches, towards his teammates. He was just de dejected after I put my heart and soul into this thing. We lost, and I'm sure it was not because how we played or didn't play. It's because the team lost. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and it's funny that we are there. Ask Musso how uh, Hartman, Sam Hartman's playing, too, although they played pretty good against Pitt this week. Yeah, Sam Hartman's – we talked about him early in the year when they beat the, the breaks off of Navy, but we, we'll circle back to that. But, I mean, I'll just say this. Sam Hartman, incredibly handsome. Sam Hartman also – not Caleb Williams when it comes to quarterbacking, but there's only one Caleb Williams and um, another huge game. We didn't talk a lot about the, the Cal game, but he again, put that team on his back and they had a lot to do with their success. All right. I'm, I'm assuming I'll give them the old rubber stamp Bryce young pop here. Yes. <laughs> pop pop next up. And this is a guy I was interested to see because I haven't seen him in a few years. I think I saw him his freshman year against uh, Oklahoma on the road in Oklahoma. And he took a, he got, they beat him up pretty good in that game, but he's a tough kid. And uh, Michael Pratt, Tulane, they played Rice. Luke McCaffrey, Christian's brother, plays for Rice. Had a, a, a nice touchdown catch. He, he's he been doing that uh, on the regular, uh, Luke McCaffrey, and that's a guy we'll talk about as we get through this process. But Michael, Michael Pratt, quarterback, pocket passer, has a little athleticism. Um, I question some of the decision-making, but there was just one game. Rice isn't a powerhouse, but they they competed. Uh, terrible pick six to uh, Gabriel Taylor, Sean Taylor's younger brother, which was a fun fact to learn. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. In fact, I think it was a pick to the two-yard line. He didn't take it all the way back. He took it back inside the five-yard line. But it was a great play, jumped around, terrible decision by Michael Pratt. Um, he's going to get drafted. The question is, where do you fit in? What box does he fit into? What did you take away from Washington playing that Rice game? Yeah, I think he's big. I think he can put the velocity on the ball in tight windows when he has to. Over the all, he's pretty good accuracy at all levels of the field. I didn't have any questions that he can come in and make the NFL throws. Is he athletic enough? Yes, but he's not a tremendous athlete, but can buy a second chance. He'll get some positive yards if he has to scramble. But, again, that's against Rice. 
So there are other dudes that can run a little faster in the NFL. Um, but his decision-making, I agree with you. Why would you do some of the throws that he did? Uh, but I saw him as a solid prospect. I didn't think that he was going to be an eventual starter in the league. I saw him more as a backup just based off of this view. I'd like to go back. I got to go back and do a little more tape on him. I put him in the tune O'Connell category with yep. a little more athleticism and a little stronger arm. That's kind of where I had him uh, when I was watching him, kind of where I would place him at this point. And to follow up on that, he's a player that goes to an all-star game, Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, has a great week, and then we're having another conversation about, okay, has he worked him away, his way into the day two conversations? Yep. Um, so, uh, so I yeah. put in my notes. I said anxious to see him in an all-star setting. I have a camera right behind you. I can see everything you're up to in there. That's where I got that from. All right, good. So, um, look, the interception was terrible, but I thought he he was he's a veteran. His teammates seem to to like him leadership wise. Um, I, I gave him a pop. I agree. Okay, I didn't know if you're going to be deterred by the the not so great interception. No, Seventy seven days before I can disagree with you. <laughs> uh, and by the way, he finished twenty two or thirty, so he had a good good afternoon there. Two sixty three, two touchdowns. That one interception we talked about. Um, 14 touchdowns, just three picks on the year. All right. Let's move to a guy that uh, I've been eager to watch play. I've seen his name on the old score sheet, but we just haven't got around to talk to him on the podcast. Even when we talked about the deep wide receiver class, he is uh, going to be mentioned among the uh, the top wide receivers taken. And Aeneas Smith out of Texas A&M plays in the slot, can play outside, line up in the backfield, um, has some return ability. He's a thick build. Uh, he's a little twitchy at the off the line of scrimmage. You're making a face a little twitchy at the top of his route. I thought he's like a little yak guy. You get the ball in space and let him do the rest. You don't like this. I thought he was running over people in space. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you my comp so you can go ahead and, and complete the uh, trifecta of dissatisfaction. Tank Dell Light. <laughs> if you're listening, Rick just put his his hand his face in his hands. <laughs> okay. All right, we we'll talk about this guy when I'm allowed to unleash on you here. Let me say quickly. By the way, he had six catches against South Carolina for 118 yards. That's great. <laughs> that touchdown he had was a a fancy nifty footwork in space. No. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I I respect everything that you say about this kid, and I can see what you see in him slightly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time you busted out that uh, that talking point in a while. So I do think he is thickly built. He's a slot receiver only. I my biggest question is, I you know, if I had to make a comparison right now, it'd be a not a tank Dell because I don't think this guy can run. Oh and really? Now, he's not going to run four four. I don't think. No, but I will tell you this: the one play. Uh, that I saw where he caught a slant route. And uh, you watch, and I don't know if you remember that play or not. And he had an angle on the defensive back. And he put the skids on, and he is elusive after the catch, and he was going to his right, and then he cut it back to his left. Anyone that has confidence in their speed would know that they can outrun that angle, and he would have scored a touchdown. Oh, okay. He hit on the skids because he doesn't have a lot of confidence in his speed. Now, is he strong after the catch? Is he elusive? 
Does he catch the ball well enough? Yes. All those things, I would I would agree with you. I do not see the speed in this kid. And the only reason I say that, that one play really stuck out to me, that I had an angle on the guy. The guy was closing on me, and I didn't trust my speed, and I hit the skids. I made a miss, and I cut it back to the left. But anyone, the tank devils of the world or the guys that have speed are just going to keep running because they know they can outrun that angle and get into the end zone. Who's a comp that's built like that, that that maybe runs a four, five, six? I'm not saying that's what he runs, but if we're just going to have the conversation. I don't know. My, my guy that popped into my head now that we're doing this, because I have, you know, I do it off the cuff here. You Rolodex, your Rick Rolodex. Yeah. Uh, was a little bit of uh, Parker Washington who came out oh. of Penn State. Yeah. He's a Jacksonville. I don't know if he's done a whole, but we certainly haven't talked about him this yeah. season. Mm-mm. Okay. I don't hate that. That's surprisingly a little sure better no. than I think. Yeah. Yeah, better than Tank Dell Light. Or in the category than a Tank Dell who can run like 4 1. Tank Dell Light. I said light. Like, you know, like Diet Coke, not Coke, Diet Coke. I don't get light. What? Because he's he's not light. He's heavier than Tank Dell. He's a lesser version of Tank Dell. That's what light means. Does that mean speed? What does light mean? Huh? It means everything. Huh? (laughs) It absolutely means nothing. Hey, listen, buddy. 77 days. Tone it down. <laughs> all right. Parker. I can see what you see in him. <laughs> there. That's all I'm asking for. All right. Ania Smith. So I'm giving him a pop. I'm interested to hear what you're going to give Ania Smith. Drop. You are giving him a drop. Golly, the guy had six catches for 118 and a touchdown, but because That's he didn't, great. he did not run the guy to the corner. You're on Rick's drop list. All right. Fair enough. Now, I think I know the answer pop drop wise to these next two guys. We'll group them together. We've talked about Leatu, uh, Leatu Latu, edge rusher out of UCLA. Going to talk about his teammate, Gabriel Murphy, edge rusher out of UCLA. And I say edge rusher. They line those guys up uh, from, from nine tech all the way in. And they do a lot of standing up, a gap, two, you know, two, just no hands on the ground and just harassing the offensive line, interior or edge rushers. They're similar type players, but Latu is stronger. I think they're both pretty twitchy and bigger, and bigger uh, but they both use their hands well. Latu's bendier than you would expect given his size, but Gabriel Murphy's a little bendy, but he's so quick. I well, here we go. There he's, 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 he's. I mean, that's not the picture I want. He's not bendy there. He's missing Shador, <laughs> but he's quick through the A and B gap too when he's asked to pressure uh, the interior offensive lineman. He's not the player that. Uh, his teammate is he's not going to go in the first round, but I'll just go ahead and, and give you the spoiler here. I think he's a day two guy all day long. Okay. Are you done? Yeah, your turn. Okay. 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. What's that? Are you, are you, is that to, to, to uh, compose yourself? Yes. That is. <laughs> Everybody told me to count to 10. Oh, not out loud. So the person knows that you're. Oh, What's that offensive? I'm sorry. <laughs> the thing is, you like Gabriel Murphy. Go ahead. Uh, Latu, it, it was it was like when we watched him. I can't remember the game uh, that we watched him earlier. Uh, and it was San Diego State or somebody? They played Coastal Carolina in the beginning. I think. Oh, yeah, whatever. That was like we said. That was a clinic. This was even a better clinic um, because Latu is bigger. He's explosive. He can. He is heavy-handed, but he is so smooth with his movements. And his wiggle on pass rush moves, his ability to arm over or to counter inside, 
Now, again, the right tackle from Colorado and the left guard from Colorado had a rough day, um, <laughs> to say the least. But Latu, like I said, I'm, I went back and I wanted to see him against Utah, and I actually yeah. am still pleasantly surprised. I think this kid's a really good football player. I think he has first-round potential. I just don't know from the medical standpoint what will happen as teams start doing a medical on him. Is it and, the neck or the back or both? Uh, yeah, but you remember he had to retire and then yeah. he had to go to a couple schools until you see the Washington originally. That's right. So, uh, um, what he looks healthy. Yeah, no, he does look healthy, but <laughs> again, teams are going to go and put him through with, uh, through every MRI machine in America and CT scan and every other scan that this is made possible. Let me ask you this though. If you, didn't know anything about him, but you just watched his 2023 tape. Round, he is a first round. Okay. Talent. okay. Just want to double check. But All right. He could be one of those guys where you have in the first round talent box or in the talent box that I talked about. Yeah. But he may be in a critical box on the medical. And then if our doctors or if any team's doctors do not pass them, we would put a red card on him, which means he's untouchable. No matter what, you can't touch him. Let me ask you this, and if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to, of course. Montez Sweat uh, had a heart condition come out late in the media during the draft process. He had an absolutely great senior bowl, ran well in the combine. Was that a situation where you had medical concerns? Or Yeah, yeah I can't. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that one. I don't want to get uh, okay, that's fine. brought in the court for HIPAA law. <laughs> I, was, I tried to set you up. You didn't fall for it. Yeah, okay. I tried to get me off the show. I have to do it from my uh, during my – our uh, recess. And Your rec time. Yeah, my rec time. You have to do it on the phone through the plexiglass. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could be like uh, going through the plexiglass. <laughs> yeah, Rick. yeah, Ryan set me up and I broke every Americana player. Yeah, you can't. You, you'll be right. Look, you'll be the coach of the uh, the football team on the inside yeah, longest there. Yard. Yeah, longest yard. There you go. Maybe my acting career will come through one day. <laughs> <laughs> There's hope. All right. What about his teammate, Gabriel Murphy? Uh, pleasantly surprised. First time I watched this kid, love his motor, love his energy, love his straight line speed, uh, plays with his hair on fire. I just had issue with his stiff hips because I don't think that he can break down, but he makes plays, uh, off his energy and effort. These guys play in the league. Uh, I didn't see him as a first round talent. Uh, but I'm anxious to see how big he is. He's not as long or as long limbed talking about his arm length as his uh, counterpart Latou is, but this guy is a very good football player, even though he has some physical limitations. So where are you playing him at the next level? Or do you need to wait and see the height weight? Yeah, I want to see the height weight. I th no, I think he's an outside edge guy. I think okay. maybe they just move those guys everywhere at UCLA. Yeah. I think he'll, he can't play inside. Uh, yeah. So he's too small to play inside, but he could, he can carve out a role as a potential DPR I was uh, going to say, yeah. 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 Sometimes on third downs, you move those guys inside anyway and have them sort of standing up and harassing people. Right. Yeah. But I can see him carving out a role. I don't see him as a 17 game starter, but I do see him carving out a role as a potential pass rusher. Do you not want to get going record and say he's a day two guy like I did? Well, yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right, Ryan Wilson. No, thank you. I agree with you 100% for 77 more days. I say it all the time. Is that so hard? I say that, I say it to my wife. Is that so hard? Yes. It all is. right. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, Latu, I'll talk for you. Pop, pop. What do you think about Gabriel Murphy? Pop. He is a pop. I agree. 
So we've we'll run a pops here, and you dropped Ania Smith very disrespectfully, but that's okay. All right, that's next up. Not a principle. Not a principle. This is our five-star review. It doesn't Apple. say it's from the Apple Pods. That's what it says in parentheses. It doesn't say five-star review. Apple Podcast is the only place uh, as it relates to this podcast that you can leave us a five-star review and nominate. You didn't say that in the directions. Does uh, When you drive your car, does someone have to tell you every time to hit the brake and hit the gas, or do you just know to do it? I just know to do it because that's the rule. <laughs> this was not laid out clearly. Again, very vague. Uh, by, by the way. He most but, thinks abstractly. He doesn't think. <laughs> I like things linear and explained to me. I was reading through the comments from our, our uh, offensive rookie grades show last Thursday and someone left a comment that they had to quit listening. We need to understand how pluses and minuses worked in the, in the grading system. <laughs> Rick one by one killing our audience with uh, not knowing how plus and minuses work. I know how they work. It just wasn't laid out that yeah, we're allowed to use them. Well, I told you you could use them on this Thursday, but you refuse. So we'll see how that goes. Now it's, I'm not doing it because of principle. <laughs> Out of principle. Some might call it spite. All right. Five star review, Apple podcast, Notre Dame running back, Audrick SMA. I haven't watched him closely. They're just watching on Saturdays when, when Notre Dame plays. He's fun, man. He's he's a lot of fun. They play Pitt, and Pitt's had some struggles. Um, but whatever. You played the team that's across from you. And he's got a lot more wiggle than I expected him to for that size. He can put his foot on the ground and go. He had that 80-yard touchdown run against NC State where he outran four or five dudes to the end zone. So he has, he's faster than you might expect just, just seeing him stand up in the backfield because of his, his build. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. And I think you know, it's funny. I'll start with this. A couple of years ago, we talked to Kyron Williams at the Combine, the running back out of Notre Dame who ended up going to the Rams. Uh, had a good season. And he's been injured for the last few weeks. And the first thing I said to him was like, you are the best the blocking running back in this class. And he he actually didn't want to talk about it because I think he had been labeled that to the extent that he wanted people to know that he could also be what his job title says, an actual running back, which I thought was sort of funny. I think SMA and having not gone through all the running backs right now is going to be one of the best blocking running backs in this draft class. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I thought he gave good effort as a blocker. Uh, he's big. He's physical. He's a downhill runner. He doesn't have the speed to get outside. And by that, I mean, when they stop and start to try to bounce it outside, you seen Jameer Gibbs last night. You seen, oh my goodness. you know, what you do to me if I mention SMA and Gibbs in the same breath. Yeah. Well, I, I was waiting for that uh, <laughs> comparison. I'm Beat just, me to it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this guy has good patience. He has vision running in line. He runs with power. Um, he does need to get his pads down some. He's a little high uh, through contact, but he just goes forward. Hands are okay out of the backfield. I wouldn't call them elite hands. Hey, Rick, uh, let me stop you quickly just to ask a question about that. So his pads are too high. He's, I don't think he's tall. He looks like he's probably 5'11", maybe, but we'll, we'll find out. So – Obviously, you can see just physically if he's standing up too tall when he runs through the hole. But is he getting hit and falling backwards? Because it felt like to me he no. was falling forward a lot. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I said his pads are high, but he continues to go forward. Okay, gotcha. Okay, but if his pads don't get down, he's going to get knocked back at the next level. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so um, but he can get away with it at this level um, against Pitt. Yeah, I don't think that he is exceptional in, in space. Um, and he's a build-up speed guy. I see this guy as more of a singles and doubles downhill runner uh, than like a true home run hitter, 
although he did have that long run, as you mentioned, in the North Carolina State game, but it took him a while. He's not a zero to 60 guy, zero yeah. to 60 miles an hour instantly. He's a build up speed guy, uh, but he's had a really productive year. So uh, last year, when the Arkansas running back was rolling, this year he hasn't been. I think it's Sanders. Is that Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders? Yeah. So those two kind of reminded me a little bit of each other. Sanders has not been nearly as productive as we've seen when we did the summer scouting. Yeah, has the knee. Yeah. So, but this kid is kind of a similar type back, I guess, that that, that if I had to try to make a comparison to another black that I've seen this year. I say it all the time, um, so this will come as no surprise to you. I struggle the most trying to figure out where these running backs go just because of need. And, you know, we talk about the value or being devalued. Can he sneak into day two, estimate? Uh-uh. No, day three guy? I think he's a Thursday guy right now. Now, if he runs fast, he may sneak into day two. But I've no, Saturday him. guy or Saturday guy, yeah. Thursday, that would be that would make news. No, no. Thursday the following week, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you something. You talk about his build-up speed. Let's say he runs a four-six. No one caught him for Mincy State. Now maybe all those guys run four-eights, but I think there's some defensive backs there struggling to to keep up with him. So will, for a skill position, will have a factor on where he's drafted even though he's outrunning everyone to the end zone. He plays faster maybe, but yeah. he's not a he's not an instant accelerator. No, that's right. I'm just thinking about the home run balls. Once yeah. he gets going there, gets into yeah. his home run trot. He's not going to get many home run opportunities at the NFL. Those dudes can run. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um 19 rushes, 114 yards, three touchdowns against Pitt there. I got to give him a pop. Yeah. No, I'll give him a pop. I just think he's a Saturday back. Okay. All right. We'll see. We got plenty of time to figure it out. Thanks for the now. Now that we're building up our roster for the draft, yeah. Uh, who was funner to watch, this kid or uh, the kid from uh, Arizona State? Oh, I have a special place in my heart for Cameron Scadabo. I think SMA was fun. I was surprised at how much better, how much uh, more athletic he was than I thought, just by looking at him as a sort of a, a big bigger back but scadabo i think is more versatile he can punt <laughs> which is i love saying that uh he can throw the ball if you need him he can run the wildcat i think the SMA ran the wildcat a few times he has return ability so the versatility is a little more intriguing to me i don't even know is estimate a better athlete like i'm not sure he is I, I, yeah but i'm just asking you're on yeah. the clock yeah oh i'll take scadabo okay i like the versatility okay or is my comp that you love, Danny Woodhead? Yes, that's perfect comp. All right, let's say quick break, and uh, when we come back, it'll be the moment everyone's been waiting for. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. We're going to talk about the best quarterback in the NFL. Today, in tomorrow, in, in history. In history. Will Levis, right after this. All right, Rick, it's time. Will Levis, starting against the Falcons. And um, just in case you're, you're listening later in the week, we're recording this on Tuesday. And um, I mentioned that because we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins in a little bit, the guy that you signed in. Ugh, terrible story in Minnesota. He was playing great. But for now, Let's talk about Will Levis, something positive. 19 to 29, 238 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, for reference, Ryan Tannehill, over the course of the entirety of the season, has only two passing touchdowns. And these weren't little dump offs, and the running back, Derek Henry, did the rest, or Ty J. Spears did the rest. This, my man, was dealing. The first one was a bomb to DeAndre Hopkins, who hadn't scored a touchdown all year, scored, I think DeAndre had three at least. I think uh, Akine, Westbrook Akine had the other one. Uh, one was a slant to DeAndre. Thrown behind him, a great catch, whatever. It counts. I'm, I'll give him a pass on that. He had a couple other throws Will Levis did that were dropped or caught on the sidelines that could have been a great downfield throw. Um, the final throw. Crosses, across the field. Across the field, and it was thrown with a little anticipation. Westbrook Akine was neck and neck with the safety when the ball left his hands, and then he was wide open by the time the ball arrived in the, uh, the far corner of the end zone. I don't know what the downside is from his performance against uh, a Falcons defense that isn't elite, but it's an NFL defense, and it was his first start, and he looked great. He did. I will, I will give him credit for and a couple of points that I want to make on him, that his strength of his game is his arm strength. We've Ooh. always talked about that. And Tennessee, up until Levis came in, has been a dink and dunk offense run the ball, some play action, but basically dink and dunk. All of a sudden, I give credit to the offensive coordinator there, to Vrabel there. They start throwing the ball down the field because that's what Will Levis's strength is. When you watched Atlanta's defense, they weren't a lot of, almost looked like single coverage. I know there were some zones, but there wasn't a lot of help on the back end. And, and I give D-Hop credit for the double move that he made on the one touchdown pass down the seam that he caught. So, and Will Levis made those throws. Um, The question I have is when a defense now knows what he can do. And I thought if there was any area that he struggled, it's if you have to sit him in the pocket and make him go through his progressions, which he didn't have to do this game. No. It was set, throw, go down the field, let D hop be like the D-hop we saw five years ago and make all the plays that he did. Now the defensive coordinators have this tape and they force him to play quarterback from the pocket to read and go through his progressions. Now, if he can do that and still have the same success 
that he had this week, then you can crown him king. So I will uh, hold my reservations. I recognize what a great game he had, what an incredible deep ball accuracy that he had shown in this game. But I want to see him when a defense forces him to play quarterback from the pocket. Yeah, I'm just looking at my notes here. That last touchdown, that was Jesse Bates in coverage. It wasn't just uh, – Richie Grant was the one that got smoked on the on the stutter go by by a D-hop on the next-to-last touchdown. And, you know, good for him because we saw him throughout the process. He looked tight in terms of just, like, uptight. Like, you know, Bryce was laid back. CJ was laid back. A- even Anthony Richardson was laid back when we saw them at the pro day or talked to them, and, and it felt like Levis – was trying to prove everyone wrong in 15 minutes. And he went out there. He seemed relieved. Our Amanda Guerra was there as a sideline reporter. She talked to him after the game. And um, good for him, man. Good for him. Rick, you gave him an A for his performance. Yep. Uh, I'm reading the instructions here. A to F, plus or minus included. Hmm. No plus or minus from Rick, so he must just want to give an A. I will give him an A plus, just so I can outdo you. Price is right, reverse rules. Okay. Well, you can use the plus and minuses since it wasn't laid out in the – Initial. Right here. I'm reading it. Yeah, I know, but that's different. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference now. It doesn't make a difference now, Debo. Oh, by the way, quickly, here's the, the other thing I want to mention. So that game was at home, the home op- uh, the home opener for, for Will Levis against a, a Falcons team that's struggling um, on both sides of the ball for being frank. But the next three games at Pittsburgh on Thursday night's a short week. Is that good or bad for a rookie quarterback in terms of him not having to think about it and also the, the preparation for the defense on the other side not having time, or does it not matter? No, it could be good. Uh, you know, just because you can get right back into it. Yeah. Uh, although the prep is a little shorter for the rookie quarterback, a veteran may be able to handle, be interested to see if they simplify the game plan for him on a short week or not. And it'll be interesting to see now that Pittsburgh knows that this dude can throw the ball 5,000 yards down the field and with accuracy, how they take that away. I think Mink is probably going to be out. I haven't heard, but he left that game with a hamstring, so that's a problem. Debo, have you talked to Pat P and BMAC yet about their plans for Tennessee, or is that coming up on a show? Yeah, we talked last night. Um, BMAC asked Pat, you know, with just one game of tape, do they ever go back and, and look at some college tape at Kentucky? He said they're way too far into the season to ever consider looking at at college tape of Levis. And, and the thing too is he only played one preseason game because he was hurt played against the Bears and that was against a lot of cover two and cover three just zone coverage and he was up and down in that game I think it's against a lot of Ryan Wilson's that are no longer in the league yes (laughs) so by the way yeah if you want to hear that that's all things covered with uh, our Brian McFadden and uh, his cousin Patrick Peterson signed by Rick Spielman who now plays for the Steelers Uh, so at Pittsburgh on Thursday then it's at Tampa Bay then it's at Jacksonville so three straight away games for rookie quarterback, I would imagine, and I haven't heard from Mike Vrabel or otherwise, you're just rolling with him whether Ryan oh, Tannehill's yeah. healthy or not. Yeah, you can't go back now. Okay. Okay. All right. A, A plus. A from Rick, A plus from me. Uh, this just in, Pete Prisco gave him uh, A with three pluses afterwards. No, Pete Prisco gave him a gold jacket. A gold jacket? Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Pete Prisco Hall of Fame. All right, next up. And if Will Levis hadn't started this week, Bryce Young, we'd be talking about how this is his best game of the year. Yep. Oh, he played He played really well. Had one touchdown to Tommy Tremble on a nice little corner uh, into a crowded area uh, of the end zone there, the back corner. But I thought 
He continues to throw with the, the type of anticipation, like, oh, my gosh, this, this guy is not messing around. He threw one in the middle of the field. Uh, there was the uh, linebacker running underneath. There was a safety over the top. Adam, It hit Adam Thielen in the hand. Yeah. And, and he turned around. He hit a millisecond. He just didn't yeah. turn around quickly enough. The ball was there, and it's not a ball that a lot of quarterbacks at any level would make. No, and that's what we're talking about, guys understanding the speed of the game. That throw that he made to Thielen that I thought Thielen had a chance to catch and he dropped it, that same throw, he was late in the opener versus Atlanta, and Jesse Bates picked him off twice. That there was an example of a young quarterback learning from his mistakes, and now you see how he is throwing with anticipation. He's getting the ball out. His trust in Adam Thielen has just grown through the weeks, and so I thought this was definitely his best game. He continues to get better week in and week out. And yes. for him, with the game on the line to take them down at the end, make some of the throws he made, he's making off-schedule plays. He doesn't have to set his feet to throw. Uh, moves around in the pocket well, which he better, or else he may you know, he's going to end up in a body bag. They keep hitting the way he has. And it was, I thought they took more shots down the field this week. And yeah. they do be due to the new play caller and Thomas Brown taking over play calling to at least coming out of the uh, bye week. By the way, um, why don't you talk to me about the the play? Uh, so Chuba Hubbard gets trucked. Jalen Petre runs through Chuba Hubbard. The safety uh, gets his hands basically around the waist of Bryce Young. Bryce spins out to his left and then finds Thielen downfield for a 31-yard gain. I mean, that yeah. to me is sort of what he's done all season and having to run for his life, but it seemed to all come together on Sunday. Yeah, and he kept his eyes downfield and his accuracy down the field uh, – may have been in question early, but that has improved. And he is just getting more and more confident with the more reps he gets. Um, so you gave him an A. I'm going to give him an A as well. Let me ask you this. If you're the general manager or the coach, do you have a conversation with Bryce through the first five or six weeks when all the losing? Because you used to get – you'd have your people give you like the press clippings, right? So you knew what people were saying about players or not? Yeah. So he was catching a lot of heat until this this win here. They were 0-6. Is that something you would pull him aside and say, don't worry about it, you let him figure it out himself, or does it just depend on the player? You don't have to do that with Bryce Young. Okay. Bryce Young is so mentally tough and so, I don't want to say callous, but doesn't listen to the outside noise. He Smart. is just so honed in and focused, one of the most mature kids I've ever been around, and is able to handle that that type of criticism or whatever is coming. Okay. He just goes out in place. Yeah, he seemed undefected he by it, but it's something. Say he can block out the noise. Well, he he it's it worked out in his favor on Sunday, and that was a huge win. I didn't think they were going to win, just in part because of the offensive line, the the defense played extremely well, which they had struggled to do for much of the season, and also because of the play we're going to talk about next. C.J. Stroud has been playing at such a high level. C.J. looked human. He didn't look bad. He just looked human. He looked like a rookie quarterback. Yeah, made some really good throws. Yeah, throws. Um, he just did not look as good as he had earlier in the season. Maybe coming out of the bye, I don't know, uh, to get back in rhythm because he was playing at a pretty high level um, and probably will get back on track. But I didn't think this was one of his best games, but it wasn't a, a bad game either. It was no. it was a solid game, but he didn't get much help either. And that's the thing. Um, two of his first three passes were knocked down the line of scrimmage. Um he overthrew Nico early on. Um, 
on a deep route. But he again, he throws with the, the type of anticipation that you watch it. You go, oh my gosh! <laughs> like he's throwing to, to space where uh, not only is there no one there, but the player that ends up catching the ball is double covered as he's getting out of his break, and then somehow throws him open. And that's encouraging if you're Bobby Sloak, the offensive coordinator, if you're Demico Ryan's new head coach, and if you're his teammates because they seem to rally around him. And that was the story about Bryce. I mean, about CJ coming out anyway. Like, and you talked about this at the at the, at the uh, pro day. Like, he's he didn't have to be out there till the end of the pro day because that's when he threw. But he was out there cheering on his offensive line teammates, Paris Johnson, Luke Whippler, um, you know, dapping them up and all the other things. And and you said, you know, that's something you make a note of and you see if it's genuine or not. And it certainly feels like it's genuine. But more than that, he's had a fantastic start to his rookie season. And this game wasn't great, but it by no means made you say, oh, okay, this guy's not who he thought he was. No, no. It was solid. It so was solid. If, if a quarterback has a solid game, hopefully the other pieces of the uh, puzzle can pick it up. And they were. They had a chance to win. And then Bryce just did an incredible job on that final drive. Yep. Um, you give him a B. I'm going to give him a B plus just to outdo you. I'll give him a B. I don't want to give him a B plus. He, he played... He played solid. I think that's the right way to think about it. All right. Let's go from solid to sad. Lambeau Field. Kirk Cousins playing probably the best football of his career. And to the point where we're not even talking about Kirk Cousins being a problem in primetime. I mean, he took it to the 49ers without Justin Jefferson. He and Jordan Addison did a lot of the heavy lifting. They were whipping up on the Packers. And then in the fourth quarter, non-contact injury, Achilles injury, and he's done for the year. I mean, the tread deadlines, as we speak, is going to be in a few hours. It's going to end at 4 p.m. But this happened on Sunday. So let me take take you back. So let's say you're sitting there at Lambeau Field in the suite at 2 p.m. local time, 2.30 p.m. local time when he tears his Achilles. What's the first thing you're doing as general manager with the tread deadline 48 hours away? Throwing up. Because <laughs> you drafted Jared Hall in the fifth round. He's 25 years old, has experience. That's part of the reason they liked him. He's a he's a good athlete. I liked him at BYU better than you did. Had a terrible senior bowl. I don't know if he's injured, whatever. He didn't have a great uh, uh, preseason as well. They have Nick Mullen on the practice squad who's coming off uh, IR. Nick Mullen's on IR and Sean Mannion's on the practice squad. Okay. Uh, Mullins comes off IR week nine, I think. And then Sean Mannion... Again, they're all journeymen. They're all right. They're all the this variations of the same person. I think if you were pressed, if you were pressing me, I would start Nick Mullins if he was healthy just because he has the experience. I think he has 17 career starts. Um, five of those might be wins. I have to double check. But after you get done throwing up, are you calling another team about a potential veteran? Andy Dalton, no. for example, Case no, Keenum? You're, you're getting through the game. Uh, you're getting the final report, you know, after the game on what the doctors are anticipating. And then you're going back to the facility that night, probably gathering up with the coach, with your uh, personnel department, with the ownership on what is the direction we're going to go. And it's a shame because the Vikings can seriously be maybe six and two right now, seven and mm-hmm. one, if they didn't throw away the games they threw away earlier in the season. And they were getting better. And they were getting better because the defense is playing better and they're not turning the ball over and giving the games away. And you have a quarterback uh, who is playing it lights out and was carrying that team 
while they're waiting for Justin Jefferson to come back. Hey, can I ask you this? Yep. I said this on HQ over the weekend. I said Kirk Cousins was the best player on that team with the understanding that Justin Jefferson is also on that team because when Justin went down, again, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Jordan Addison stepped up. You can't lose Kirk Cousins and have Jordan Addison as the quarterback, that version of him step up because he doesn't exist. That's how good I thought Kirk Cousins was playing. Yeah, and that's why it was interesting that Justin Jefferson didn't sign his extension because he wants to see what they do at quarterback. So they have uh, some very, very hard decisions to make. Let me give you the GM hat. Okay, you know the situation you're dealing with. Right now, you're the seventh, I believe, seventh seed in the playoffs. Yeah, four and four. Uh, You just lost your quarterback who's been carrying your football team. You have Justin Jefferson coming back. Your defense is playing lights out. Do you go and try to make a trade for somebody? And how much improved is that going to be from just sticking with the guys that you have? They know uh, Jaron Hall better than we know him because they've been around him at practice and watched him at practice every day. You know, he came in and was, as uh, Debo said, he went, uh, oh, yeah, three quarters for 23 yards and a lost fumble. So, um, that it didn't say three for four. It said three quarters. Just some people. I was wondering. I was wondering if that's how they said it in the league. <laughs> yeah. Debo, he went three quarters. Is that like three quarters of a throw, or what is that? Oh, I see. The uh, the the software changed it for him. Oh, I see what you're looking at. I can't even get mad at you for that. I thought you were just reading it incorrectly. Yeah, he went three or four. <laughs> Jeez, okay. Debo, I didn't know how to take that. You're not getting a homework shirt, by the way. <laughs> All right, here's what I'm doing, Rick. Right, let me ask you this. Oh, okay. Or just say. And you have to have these discussions. Okay, let's just blow this thing up. Let's let's trade Daniel Hunter. Let's trade Justin you Jefferson. You can't. You're 4-4. I'm just asking you. Do you just blow it up, get all these potential first-round picks, and then go up and get Caleb Williams as your future quarterback next year or Drake May? No. You know good and well that you can't – you're smirking. You can't, do, you can't plan for the future by – so, so here's the thing. I'll put that on the, on the list of options. But here's what I'm doing. I'm let's see what I'll call Houston and offer him a fifth round pick for Case Keenum. Okay. Now, if you're uh Nick, okay, let me just tell you how hard it is for a quarterback to learn French to English and how long that takes. Uh, it's a different system too. When he was there. Too. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, all right, I get it. Okay, well, let, let, let me turn the tables on you. You'll be my assistant GM for this conversation. <laughs> All right, well, uh, how long will it take key, Case to get up to speed? Because you were the GM when when he was there. I, I came in recently <laughs> as the nepotism hire, we'll say. <laughs> so you have to answer to me. Oh, what a world. Uh, Case obviously led that team in 2017 to, what you guys go, 13-3? Yeah, NFC Championship game. Yeah. Down to Debo's Eagles. Yeah, so 13 wins, and no one saw it coming. He got a big contract out of it to, to go play for the Broncos after that. How long is that going to take to get up to speed, knowing Case Keenum like you do, versus Jaron Hall, who's has played 15 snaps? Well, that that's very difficult. Even when we did had that, we're forced to make the trade with uh, Sam Bradford because that, yeah. that was right before the season. And you had eight days to get him, eight or nine days to get him ready for the opener. That gave you some time, but it still was dummy down. You can put segments of the system in and what he can function in, but you can't throw him the whole damn 
offensive scheme. It's impossible to learn <laughs> right. everything. And you're having a translator out there. Or he's trying to translate learning. Not so much the concepts are kind of the same. It's the language. Right. So we called it this in Philly. We call it here in Minnesota. And hey, can so- I ask you a question, uh, sort of a logistical question? But what if you just put it on the wristband? Is All right, call play four. Yeah, no, it's totally different because okay. there's a lot of nuances in between. I've said overall the the global view is pretty similar. Yeah, there's so many nuances that are in between. And so then the, the, the different the, teams have different rules or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Well, my, where's my hot read? Well, in this yeah. system it was over here, and this system gotcha. it's over here. All right. So you got to roll with Jaron Hall. You can learn the play, but you have to know what everybody's doing. Yeah. So, so I'm hearing you got to run, you got to roll with Hall, Mannion, or, or Mullins is what I'm hearing. Unless you go out and get someone who's familiar with the system. Kevin O'Connell, what, I don't know his coaching tree. Do you know where he? No, I'm just like, I, I read somewhere that uh, Colt McCoy was in, and I believe they were together okay. in Washington. Colt McCoy is a, an improvement over Nick Mullins. I shouldn't have hesitated. That's, that's clear. I think that's, that's clear. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Terrible situation. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not down on Colt McCoy. I'm down on the fact they lost. Uh, and I did. I, I did uh, text Kirk yesterday and got a really nice response back. Just wish. That's up. the other thing. Um, he, he is, he is the nicest human being. There is not a kid that I've ever been around that is so strong in his faith, so strong in his family values and his relationship with his wife and his kids so strong in his work ethic to try to get himself not only physically, but mentally prepared, how hard he studies. There's no one I've ever been around that's been so, I would almost say, obsessed in making sure he's doing everything right. And I was going to say, he's a lot tougher than people give him credit for. Like, he throws his body around, and it's clear, you yeah, know. So he never missed a game till this. That's right. The only time he missed with us is when we held him. Because we had COVID locked up. No, we had a COVID and then uh, we had to, uh, we had the playoffs locked in week 17 of the Chicago Bears came in and it was not a meeting. So we sat him because it didn't, the game didn't mean anything. We were locked. Who played quarterback for that game? I can't remember. Okay. Um, yeah, but the the toughness, because I would give Kurt a hard time over the years when he would throw the ill-timed interception in the fourth quarter in prime time. But this year, I've had nothing to say about the way he's played. And like I said, he was the best player on that team, and I don't in even the think last that's... two years. I mean, I think Kevin O'Connell's done a phenomenal job with him. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know this, uh, but I was reading up on it after the injury. Kevin O'Connell's also a quarterback. Like, he was a private quarterback's coach right. through his journey. So he has a sense, in addition to being a quarterback coming up and, and getting drafted and all that. He has a, a sense for what exactly the job entails and what it looks like. So knowing all that, maybe that's why they're not rushing out to go get anyone because he knows for various reasons throughout his journey that this is not something you can just flip a switch and roll someone out there. And Andy Dalton out there, for example, and just pick up where he left off. Yeah. And all right. I, okay, GM. So you're saying blow the whole thing up, get a bunch of first-round picks, and go get Caleb Williams? I think I'm going to roll with Nick Mullins. He comes off week nine. The problem is now, oh my gosh. So now I got to roll with Jaron Hall this week because he can't come off. Nick Mullins can't come off till week nine. Trade deadline's passed. So now I'm screwed. <laughs> so I got to make the decision now. Yeah. And the only positive out of this, I always try to look for the glass. <laughs> yeah, what half. is it? Is it happened before the trade line? What if this happened next week? Do teams know if they know you're selling? 
they have a sense that you're selling. Will they lowball you for Daniel, Daniel Hunter though? And then you're stuck to having to trade him for a fourth uh, round pick. No, you don't have to force a Daniel Hunter trade. Okay. You no, know you got a third eventually coming, probably in a compensatory pick. But they will be hardballing you if you're trying to go get one of their quarterbacks. Here's what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm not quitting on the season. I'm going to roll Jaron Hall out there this week. Nick Mullins when he's healthy, and then I'm going to resign Kurt. And that way you resign Justin. And even though you say Kurt's 42 years old, he's only 35. So he's got plenty of time left. Okay. Here's the other thing that I'll say is that he's coming off an Achilles, right? Yeah. Just like Aaron Rodgers is coming off an Achilles. The one thing about Kurt is that I understand it's 35 and I understand it's an Achilles injury, but he's never been a scrambler anyway. And what makes him so great is that he is a pocket passer that stands in there, throws with anticipation, throws with tremendous accuracy. So I don't know if this will have as big of an effect on a quarterback than if it was someone that relied on his legs to make plays. Yeah. I and mean, even though Aaron Rodgers is primarily behind the lines, yeah, player. Say, like, let's say you had a Lamar Jackson or right. someone who is playing at a high level, but they also make a lot of plays with their legs. Yep. Uh, but Kirk, I don't know, since he is a pocket passer anyway, how big of an effect this will have on his future going forward. All right. One last question. Then we'll move on. Cause we, we spent a lot of time on that. I think it's worth it, but um, I don't want to keep you all day. You know, you have important things to do. Uh, if you're Kirk or his agent, would you sign a two year deal worth whatever the going rate is two year, $80 million deal a two year, $90 million deal or is the two year. Do you want more than that? Well, I don't know what the dynamics were, why they didn't sign him. Oh, okay after the season. So I don't know. I don't think they have hard feelings, but the wor thing I'm worried about is why didn't Justin Jefferson sign his contract extension when he wanted to, and I know his relationship with Kirk, Justin Jefferson's a great player, but he has a pretty good quarterback thrown to him to give yeah. him the opportunity to be a great player. Is Man. Justin Jefferson the same with Jaron Hall thrown to him? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how this unfolds. Stinks. Picard, yeah, the Vikings, they remain there right back in it. All right. Um, Debo has jokes. He wants my scouting report on Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Played at Syracuse, transferred to Illinois. He was two sevens. He was two for seven. <laughs> for negative one yards, which is like uh, two sevens or something. Oh, my gosh. That game was incredibly difficult to watch. They had negative nine passing yards total with Tyrod Taylor and DeVito that football back, maybe 40 years, 40. That's being disrespectful to what is that? 1980s. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and then, um, that's as far as I'm going on, on Tommy DeVito. Uh, I'll ask you quickly about this, about Brian Dable. Brian Dable is, uh, emotional on the sidelines. He got after Tyrod a few weeks ago when Tyrod made a mistake at the end of the first half and they were going off the field and there was, we saw the shot of him sort of in Tyrod's ear and he's demonstrative at times. Is that, and I know you've admitted to being demonstrative in the, in the suite, but there's no one watching you while you're getting fired up. Is it too much or is that you, it's okay because that's who he is. Do you want less or more? Cause sometimes I'm like, all right, you don't have to, you can, you can crush the guy and get to the locker room, but you don't have to do it for everybody. Yeah. I think it, it's an emotional game on the sideline. And, and what makes him a great head coach is his probably his fire, his competitiveness that was shown last year when they overachieved probably where they were as a, as a team. Um, but you also have to understand who the player is too. So if you do that, does that player go in the tank or does that motivate the player? So yeah. you have to really understand who you're dealing with as well. 
All right. We'll mention uh, Tyson Beijing quickly. Um, he had a, a, a rough go of it. I mean, look, not entirely his fault. The Chargers finally decided to play four quarters, and they're a better football team on paper. Tyson Bajan's a, a backup who we talked about last week, had a great start um, in their win against the Raiders. This time he he threw a bad interception, had another one. Probably should have had three or four. Yeah. He's going to have to start again, it looks like, for Justin Fields. What's the hope going into this third game after a, a high high and a low low? Well, it just seemed like they controlled him and limited his ability to have to think too much in that first game against the Raiders. Right. Getting throws, uh, just get the ball out, running the ball. This, they seem to expand the playbook a little bit, and when you expanded the playbook, it seemed to expose some of his weaknesses. Now, he still played with some some swag, just Mm -hmm. watching him, you know, uh, and he's still trying to show off his arm, and he still has the athleticism. It's just a different ball game when you're trying to kind of get through your progressions and figuring out, oh, this was so easy last week, but I had to do X, Y, and Z. That was it. So maybe they pare it back down to do something similar if they can to what they did so well against the Raiders. But then that other team has – that game on tape. So, okay, if that's all they're going to do with them, this is how we're going to take that away. Yeah. They got a lot of things to sort out. They're going to have a couple high draft picks to, to sort those things out, whether Tyson Bajan falls out or not, but hopefully he bounces back. Cause that was a fun story. Uh, last week, not so much a few days ago. All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back. And we'll rip through these top five rookies from week eight, right after this. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Rick. on a morning football, footy team or no? I'm not. Uh... They're out of Stanford. I actually saw the crew over the wow. weekend. That soccer crew. I mean, that they got soccer 24-7 up there. That that thing is legit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Good show. I watched that. We're just uh, cogs in the machine. They're the superstars. Although you and I both appreciate a good soccer game. I think Debo does too. All right. Top five rookies of week eight. This young man has not made a, an appearance on this list, and I'm glad to finally see him here. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Carolina. Uh, beneficial relationship between him and Bryson. Uh, Bryson. Bryce Young, of course. Bryce needed help out of someone other than Thielen. Mingo was able to do that. He has struggled early, just sort of knowing where to be, and I was glad to see that he got involved. I'll mention the uh, three names, and then you can, you can talk about these guys, three skill position players. Number four, Bijan. Tough sledding for Bijan. Um Turns out Jeffrey Simmons is pretty good <laughs> in the middle of that Titans defense, but he still had some explosive runs uh, in, in space, second, third level. He's a real problem for anyone that's going to be tasked with tackling him. But uh, more so than I'd seen 
at any point this season, he had a couple runs, a handful of runs where he just got stopped at the line of scrimmage, and, and that's tough to do. Jordan Addison continues to ball out seven catches, 82 yards, had a touchdown, almost had another one. He got crunched, uh, crunched at the goal line there. The ball came out. Uh, fourth straight game with a touchdown, longest streak by a, a Vikings rookie. So some of that guy named Cordell Patterson did it. Rick's pick. Uh, yep. So those three guys, anything you want to highlight? No, uh, Mingo's getting better, seems to be more comfortable. They're starting to uh, create that chemistry between the two. He did have one drop, but you're starting to see Mingo, like we talked about Johnston last week, the L.A. Chargers rookie receiver that he looks like he's just thinking and not yeah. going out there and playing. And Mingo looks like he's finally understanding what to do, where to be. The chemistry going on between him and Bryce is improving, so they have maybe another option besides Adam Thielen because everybody's going to try to take Adam Thielen out and saying that they don't have anyone else. So, But it's good to see Mingo starting to come into his own a little bit. Bijan, yeah, they, they struggled up front a little bit with that Tennessee front, uh, which is a good defense versus the run. They just get exposed in the passing game, um, but they didn't this week as much. Um, until Heineke came in. <laughs> I was going to say, Desmond Ritter, he didn't get benched. He had a concussion-like symptom, so they yeah. put him on the sidelines. But he, yeah. he wasn't like he was balling out before then. No, but Bijan, you know, when he got in space, he does what Bijan does in space. And then Addison has been a great story. I mean, everything that we saw at USC, everything that we saw at Pitt before he transferred to USC. And he, you have to give him credit because it was like – since he has Justin Jefferson opposite of him, uh, he's going to get his targets and he's going to be productive. But now with Justin Jefferson out, it seems like he took his game up to another level. And the way he runs his route, the way he's his speed is, the way he's catching the ball, the relationship and the chemistry he has with Kirk, that one touchdown pass, great throw, but also a great job beating Zier Alexander. Uh, Zaire yeah. Alexander. Uh, out of his turn, which has shown his speed. So, and he is playing at a level that is, I don't want to say worthy yet, but close to getting up there to offensive rookie of the year with the way he's been going over the last couple of weeks. Well, right. Bijan didn't play last week. He he had um, headaches or something. Yeah. And this week, Bijan had 62 rushing yards and a touchdown, but certainly Jordan played better. So just to recap, Mingo's number five on my list. Bijan was number four. Jordan Addison's number three. Uh, number two, A, be Bryce Young, who we talked about. He went five or six on that final drive for 50 yards, and you, you touched on that, about how that um, kept C.J. at bay in that matchup of one versus two. Two has to be Jameer Gibbs, who you talk about picking up the slack when the, the guy in front of you isn't there. David Montgomery's been out recently with, um, with an injury. Um, the thing I take away from that game, and Rick told us before the show that he went to sleep and – Troy Aikman spent the last 15 minutes talking up Chris Spielman, who was awake for the game, as it turns out, um, about what a great competitor he is and how that team sort of reflects his personality and, and uh, Dan Campbell's personality. And you certainly see that. And, you know, Brad Holmes putting all these players together. But I think the fact that that team played so made so many mistakes, I didn't play poorly, made so many mistakes and still whooped up on the Raiders. That game was never close, even though I think it was 12 at one point in the fourth quarter with the Raiders having the football, that speaks volumes about how far this team has come. Because in years past, even early on in the Dan Campbell, I feel like they would lose that game. Like when Justin Tucker hits a 66-yard field goal, as time expires, 
and they they find a way to lose that game. Those things are are feel like they're a part of the past. A part of that is Jameer Gibbs coming into his own because we talked about it early in the season, Rick, where he wasn't getting the touches Bijan was getting. They were sort of easing him into it. Yeah, maybe they knew what they were doing. Yeah, or else they should have gave the ball to him earlier. <laughs> That's what I told my brother. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, but now, and I said this back in training camp, and everybody, yaha, laha, you're wrong, <laughs> is that Montgomery, when he comes back and Gibbs, is a better combination than would be if they would have kept Williams and Swift. And I still yeah. believe that. And now you're seeing Gibbs kind of get an opportunity to be the lead dog and what he can do. And he's not just a running back. We talked about that. He's playmaker on offense. I mean, what do you have? Nine receptions, even though they got their arses kicked in Baltimore a week ago. Yep. But that was, is that going to be a trend? Kind of like we're seeing with San Francisco losing three games wrong. Or was that just a, hey, one of those games we played like dog crap and it's we'll, a good we'll team too. Yeah. So, and they rallied last night and found a way to win, even though it could have been a lot worse. I mean, a lot bigger score yeah. uh, uh, than it probably the it indicated, you know, with the fumble and the pick six and things like that. But Jameer Gibbs is the real deal. Absolutely. Um, Rick, I got a question. If uh, the Lions are in the playoffs, your brother's in the playoffs, and, and they have like the Saturday night NBC game or the Monday night game in the playoffs, are you staying up for that or are you going to bet at halftime? <laughs> That's a hard question, deal. I will give every effort in my entire body to try to stay up, but 9.30 is my bewitching hour. So he has you in the suite with him, and they have to put a cot in the back of the suite so you can take a nap at, at halftime, and they wake you up when the game's over? Or I have to wake him up. It's a, we both are very early bed, early risers. This is um, when, when you were a GM and it wasn't a, a game night, like when would you go to bed as a GM? Oh, 9.30. I would get home. I would leave the office at nine. I'd get home by nine twenty-five, and I'd be out by nine thirty-five. Oh, you did all your uh, pre-bed routine in that ten-minute stretch? Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't have to do as much primping as I do now since oh, okay. I'm in media. So, but yeah, no, I have my I have my little routine, but I can get it done in about ten minutes. To get ready for bread bed. But and then now you get up at five thirty. You know, stroking a hair 20 times on this side and that side or whatever you're supposed to do to try to get into a hallmark, which I know Debo worked extremely hard to get me one of those parts. I don't think he is out not there. Not the way you treat him. Debo, I want to ask you quickly before we wrap this thing up here. How are you as an Eagles fan um, on DeAndre Swift so far through the first half of the season? I wish he had some more opportunities by the goal line and, and not Kenny Gainwell. Uh, I think there's some some questions there. I think it's all you could ask for from from DeAndre Swift. And I still kind of have this speculation that Rashad Penny is is perfectly capable and, and probably the second best running back on that team. But they're just kind of holding him in, in case there's injuries for, for later in the season. What are you What's laughing that? at? Oh, God, this cons- conspiracy theories are just... You're trying to win games, and they are winning games, but yeah, you don't want to play your back for just because you want to just in case someone gets hurt. I forgot he was on the team, I'll be honest with you, until he just mentioned his name. Yeah. No, Swift, Swift is. Who, who would you rather have, Debo, Swift or Gibbs? Oh, come on. <laughs> My answer would, would be Gibbs, but I'd rather have Jalen <laughs> Carter and and DeAndre Swift than Jameer Gibbs, which was on the table in what, just three picks later in, in the draft? That's no, yeah. fine. Okay. Nine and 12. That's right. In fact, we'll talk 
Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith on Thursday's show when we talk about the uh, rookie on the defense side of the ball. All right, Rick, before we get out of here quickly, by the way, number one on the list has to be Will Levis. I don't want to sell that young man short. So he's number one. Jameer's number two. Bryce is 2A. Maybe Bryce gets the number one spot next week. We'll see. Um, NFL draft order update quickly. Cardinals now have the number one pick. Kyler is not coming back this week. I think Clayton Toon. Oh, no. Clayton Toon and or Kyler might be in line to start as we do this Tuesday. So we'll see what's up with that. Um, I don't know what Kyler would have to play like, but I would imagine if you have the number one pick as the Cardinals, you're taking the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were hesitating because you're thinking about it. No, not at all. And then the Bears pick two and three. Now, this gets interesting. Do you want Olafashinu and Marvin Harrison Jr.? Are you taking Drake May here? Because, again, we haven't talked a lot about Drake May, but I've made it clear that I, there, I have some questions. And I don't know if he is just behind Caleb Williams nipping at his heels for QB2 in terms of expectations going into his rookie season. So what are you doing here at two and three? Offensive tackle, wide receiver, quarterback, or whatever else you might want. Now, I, I have to see. It's hard to say right now. I mean, because... This is a podcast about the draft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably with uh, Justin Fields, uh, not if he was playing, what if he would have played the way he played, you know, when he was on that two-game terror? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, then would you, and you don't get Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, I'm taking regardless. I agree. I think if... if yeah. Uh, let me, so, all right. I do another hypothetical quickly. I know you love these. Let's say you're the general manager and you're not married to the offensive coordinator. As a general manager, do you have to tell the coach to fire the offensive coordinator? Or can you do it? No, I always left the coach, the head coach, make those decisions on his staff. Just like I wouldn't want someone telling me who was on my, the personnel side who was my assistant GM or who was my directors. Gotcha. I was trying to get to the point where you, you, you bring in a coordinator that you, you have, that has a good track or Brian Dable type who can, uh, has whatever that guy that you feel comfortable with that maybe does, uh, and just, and Justin Fields feels comfortable with getting fired and you're going to bring him into Chicago as the offensive coordinator. Oh, that would be not that I'm getting fired, but I'm sure the bears would love to have him. But I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's a, um, Cliff Kingsbury. It doesn't matter. My point is that if, if Luke Getsy isn't the guy, Justin Fields feels comfortable with him. And then, you work on that because Caleb Williams is gone. And then at two and three, you take Marvin and then you take whoever, Joe Alt, Olafashina, whomever it is. I think that's the route you go because you also have to be concerned. And I'm not trying to put this on Drake May. I've compared him. I think you have two to sort of uh, Daniel Jones coming no, out. Not. I have never said that. Oh, I have. You said Trevor Lawrence, which is crazy talk. I said poor man's Trevor Lawrence. That's what Tank Dell light means. That's the same thing. Poor no, man's light. Same thing. They're, they're similar size. They're similar athleticism. They make similar type throws. Yeah, boy. All right. Well, then you're taking Drake May there if that's the case. All right. Well, we'll circle back to that since you're uninterested in talking about that. So if Drake May is there at four and you're the Giants, what are you doing? <laughs> I'll take Drake May because Daniel Jones just tied to him for another year. Right. And then let him, you know, see how it goes and but trade each, him or whatever. Yeah. But so you each, would you would seriously think about it or are you just saying that so quick off? Have to seriously think about it. Okay. You and then New England to a, yeah, New England's a no brainer. No, I was gonna say if Drake May goes at four before New England, you're taking Joe Alt or 
fashion to whomever. I mean, you have to take an offensive tackle, right? Yes. Okay. Green Bay has a lot of questions. I mean, they need offensive line help. JC Latham, or is that too early? No. Okay. Uh, the Colts, what are the Colts? Need? They need they need defensive back help. Kool-Aid McKinstry? A little high. Who are you taking here? Another pass rusher. Maybe my guy Latu if he clears all the medical? No. Dallas. Turner. Strictly on field, you think Dallas is better than Latu this season? Yes. Okay. Now, 8, 9, and 10 get interesting. And you can choose not to answer for 9 if you, if you so desire. But are you living in a universe where QB3 goes here? My guy would be Michael Penix. Your guy could be whomever. J.J. McCarthy. He would go top 10, you think? You love J.J. For quarterbacks, yes. Okay. I would take J.J. McCarthy over Penix. If wow. that was, if I had to take a quarterback. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is it. I'm taking Michael Penix. Again, I'm assuming everyone stays healthy forever. So, Leatu Latu and Michael Penix Jr. Great we'll play. We'll play in perpetuity. Great That's pick. a wrap. We would have gotten out here two minutes early, but Rick had to talk about Hallmark. So, D. Let me know. Call me later or once you find out, finalize that contract with me coming out. Do I get a geek? Do I have to get like an Actors Guild card or anything? <laughs> Debo is so flustered. Um, by the way, if you're in Los Angeles, Debo's there today. So if you see him, say hello. I think Hallmark shoots their movies up in Vancouver. Oh, it's cheaper. That's what the X-Files used to do back in the 90s. All right, let's get out of here before Devo jumps out of a window. That's it. That's a wrap on episode 93. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Devo for producing, taking time out of his busy schedule of visiting Hallmark sets. And thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Talk about our top NFL rookies on the defensive side of the ball for the first two months of the season. All right, see you then. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 